Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago from Luke 18, 31 to 43, especially these words. And Jesus stopped and commanded the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ. It was about 30 years ago or so. I had a regular routine. It was about every two weeks or so, I had to go get my hair cut. Things were a little different 30 years ago than they are now. The town barber in my hometown, Doug the Barber, was one of the elders in the church, was a, a great actor in the community playhouse, just a fun guy to be around. And so when you sit in the barber's chair, you talk about all kinds of things, and it became clear early on that Doug liked to fish. He really liked to fish. But there was a problem. Doug was not very good at fishing. So when the topic came to fishing, he pretty much hung on every word that came out of a successful fisherman's mouth. One day, I made the mistake of telling him that I had just gotten back from a successful trip. We had driven up to Gavin's Point Dam near Yankton, South Dakota, and had intentionally caught nearly a hundred drum. Now, for most people, that would not be a very exciting thing. But, even though they look like a prehistoric fish, they taste quite good. Now, all Doug could talk about was, when can you take me? When can you take me? When can you take me and show me how to catch these fish? So finally I gave in, picked him up early in the morning. We made the two hour trip all the way up. He was peppering me with questions. What kind of line do you use? Where do you put the hook and the weight? Now, now, I know you talk about the bait, but how do you do it? And how do you put it all the way up? It was one big instructional class. We parked the car. We walked to the shore, my secret spot. And we started fishing. Now, Doug followed every instruction that I gave him, except one. Oh, he reached his hand into the bucket and pulled out a live crawdad. He put it on the hook exactly the way that I showed him. But the one thing he wouldn't do, my big secret to catching fish, the one thing he wouldn't do is reach into my tackle box and grab the can of WD-40 and spray the crawdad. He wouldn't do it. 
I told him to do it. I told him that was the secret of success. We sat on the bank and I caught 10 fish before he got a bite. But he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't relent. I don't know how many fish I had in the cooler before out of the corner of my eye, I saw him reach over into my tackle box and spray the magic formula, WD-40, on the crawdad. Almost immediately, he caught a fish. And by the end of the day, he had nearly as many fish in the cooler as I do. So, why did it take him so long before he took my advice? I don't know. Maybe he was just being stubborn. Maybe it was pride. Maybe he thought I was stupid. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he had blinded himself to the one thing that I told him was sure to work. 16th century English playwright John Haywood is credited with saying, there are none so blind as those who will not see. In the nearly 500 years since that quote originated, it has been remade and redone, twisted and shaped hundreds if not thousands of different ways. It's in song lyrics. It's in movies or plays. It's in our common vernacular in a lot of ways. And you know, it's true. There are none so blind as those who will not see. We blind ourselves to the truth. The truth that might be as plain as the nose on your face. We blind ourselves to it. Maybe it's because of our emotions or our pride. Maybe it's because of our politics or our anger or hatred. We can have the truth staring us right in the eye. And we don't see it. We can't see it. We're blind. And many times the thing, the culprit, that blinds us to the truth is our sin. Today in our gospel reading, we have the most amazing biblical example of that quote. There are none so blind as those who will not see. Luke 18 is quite a ways from the end of Luke chapter 9. And at the end of Luke chapter 9, we read what the purpose is, not only for Jesus' mission, but for the entire Gospel of Luke. Jesus set his face resolutely, like flint, toward Jerusalem. Why? That's why he came. He came to die. He came to suffer on behalf of sinful people. 
That's why Jesus came. And in the second half of Luke, we see Jesus intently, deliberately making his way toward Jerusalem. And so now here, Luke 18, 31, taking the 12, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. No big deal here, no shocker. They've been doing this for a while. This doesn't bother the disciples. We're going to Jerusalem. Well, of course, everything in the Word of God must be accomplished, must be fulfilled by one who is truly the Christ, the Messiah, the one who will set all things right. Of course, Jesus, preach it. But then things get a little sticky. Jesus goes on. For he, the Son of Man, meaning himself, for he will be delivered, be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. The disciples wanted none of this. The disciples were confused, bedazzled, bewildered. They didn't understand what he was talking about. Their, his words were like nonsense to them. They could not understand, admit, or believe that the one who was the kindest, gentlest, most loving person, most merciful person that they had ever seen or heard could be so shamefully treated. They couldn't hear it. They wouldn't hear it. They had blinded themselves to Jesus' words. They had blinded themselves to Jesus' true identity. They had blinded themselves to the fact that Jesus must suffer and die and rise again to pay for the sins of the whole world. That was the mission of the Messiah, the Christ. But instead, they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. And they did not grasp what was said. They had blinded themselves to the very gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Oh, maybe it was pride. Maybe it was stubbornness. Maybe they thought Jesus was stupid. Maybe they were, they were clouded with their, their political leanings, thinking that Jesus was here to set up an earthly kingdom and, and restore the fortunes of Israel. What did suffering and dying and rising have to do with any of that? It didn't matter really why they had blinded themselves to the truth of Jesus' words. But the fact remains, they were blind. Stone cold 
blind. This text before us today is one of the most amazing narratives in the entire scriptures. There are none so blind as those who will not see. The disciples are blind. Oh, physically, they can see just fine. But spiritually, they are blind. Willfully blind. They cannot see. They will not see. And as they are making their way to Jerusalem, who just happens to be on the side of the road? As they drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. Do you see the irony here? The disciples can see, but they're blind. The blind man is physically blind. But guess what? He can see. He can see what the disciples can't see. He can see what is hidden from the disciples' eyes. There's a commotion going on. He doesn't know what it is. He says, hey, what's the commotion going on? And they go, oh, uh, this Jesus of Nazareth guy just happens to be walking by. Immediately, the blind beggar cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't say Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say Jesus bar Joseph. He didn't say, hey, Jesus carpenter's boy. He said, Jesus, son of David. He could see. Jesus, Savior of the world. Jesus, true God and true man. Jesus, the Christ who was to come into the world. Jesus, the fulfillment of all the prophecies of Scripture. Jesus, my Lord and Savior, have mercy on me. An amazing little phrase, isn't it? Have mercy on me. The blind beggar begs for mercy. Remember what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Have mercy on me. Don't give me what I deserve. The opposite of mercy, the flip side to the coin, grace. Getting what you don't deserve. The blind man was physically blind, but he had the eyes of faith. God's word is teaching us today that faith is for blind beggars. That's right. Faith is for blind beggars. Faith is nothing more than the helpless cry of a beggar. Oh. We're too proud to be beggars. 
We're too stubborn to be beggars. We know what we want and how to get it. We've worked hard to accomplish things in our life. The more you do, the harder you work, the further ahead you get. That's how the world works. That must be how faith works. That must be how spirituality works. That must be how getting to heaven works. We have made up our mind what is right and what is wrong. We don't care what anyone else says. We are blind to other opinions and we are especially blind to the Word of God. You know what I mean. When we have certain business practices, maybe you're working on your taxes about now. When we have certain practices that maybe don't quite line up with the fourth commandment or the seventh commandment. We blind ourselves to God's word and we're going to do what we want to do no matter what. Maybe it has to do with who we sleep with. We know what God's word says. We know the sixth commandment. And yet, our feelings, our emotions, our passions, our society says something quite different. And so we blind ourselves to the Word of God, the clear Word of God, and we do what we want to do no matter what. My friends, the list could go on and on and on and on. Of all the ways, we blind ourselves to the truth. We blind ourselves to the Word of God. My friends, faith is for blind beggars. Today, we come into God's house and we can admit we have been blinded by sin in this world. We have been blinded to the truth from our own sin welling up inside of us, from the sin that attacks us, from the devil and the world around us. We have been blinded. Will we beg for mercy? Like the blind man in our text? Or will we be content in our blindness? Seeing quite perfectly, but being blind to the will of God. My friends, the blind beggar teaches us how to worship. That's right. Did you hear his cry? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody told him to shut up. So he cried out all the louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I heard the vast majority of you with that same cry earlier in our worship service. 
Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. The blind beggar teaches us the Kyrie, one of the oldest parts of the worship service. One of the most crucial parts of the worship service. Unless we are blind beggars, we have no need for mercy from God. Unless we are blind beggars, we are content with our present situation and don't want anything from God. In our divine service, the Kyrie comes at the very beginning of the service. In our daily offices, like Matins and Vespers, the Kyrie comes at the very end of the worship service. It's a great picture for us. From beginning to end, from day to day, the Kyrie is a beautiful summation of the life of a Christian. Faith is for blind beggars. Blind beggars cry out for mercy. My friends, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Jesus is mercy personified. We cry out to Jesus for mercy. And what Jesus is teaching the disciples and teaching us today, that mercy has to be earned. We can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible for blind, sinful beggars. And so Jesus, who is mercy, earns mercy for us. What happened to Jesus is the most shameful, opposite of mercy activity that you can possibly imagine. Jesus was whipped. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was beaten. Jesus was treated shamefully in every way, shape, and form. Jesus was beaten within an inch of his life. Jesus was spit upon. Jesus was mocked. Why? To earn mercy for us. Because what Jesus suffers, he removes. Do you hear that? Everything Jesus suffers, he removes. He is beaten and whipped and mocked and crucified. Not for anything he had done, but for our sin, for our disgrace, for our idolatry, for our blindness, Jesus takes the hit. Jesus not only earns that mercy on our behalf, Jesus freely and willingly distributes it. Jesus, crucified and risen from the grave, pours out His mercy to us through His Word. 
His Word opens our eyes to the truth of who Jesus is. His Word opens our eyes to the truth that even though we are blind beggars, the forgiveness of sins is real in the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus for me. The Word of God washes us clean in the waters of holy baptism, opening our eyes of faith. The Word of God, spoken into our ears, forgives our sins and encourages us to forgive others as we too have been forgiven. The forgiveness of sins, the Word of God, is attached to bread and wine in the holy meal. Why? Because we need it. We need it every day. Because the temptation to live in our blindness is real every day. My friends, faith is for blind beggars. Faith is the helpless cry of a beggar. We come to Jesus today blinded by our sin. And we cry out with the beggar in Luke 18, Son of David, have mercy on me. And if somebody tells you to shut up, cry out all the louder. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then, then hear those sweet words from Jesus. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, Keep our hearts, our minds, and especially our eyes in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.